Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name is Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Hello to you, I hope you're doing very well out there in uh, podcast land. I wanted to just say thank you for listening and if you fancy popping me a review I would very much appreciate it but there we are. Anyway on with what this week is all about. So this week I'm interviewing Sam and Fonzie of Fonzie and Company. We chat about all sorts of things such as doing a gig with band members who've only been in the band for about six weeks which I can't imagine but there we are. Prepping for gigs and how you go about that and what the kind of things you can do. And the upside to home recording, recording in someone's bedroom. There are upsides to it. Anyway, I'm going to get out of the way, let this whole thing roll on. On with the interview. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by Fonzie and Sam of Fonzie and Company. How are you both? Hello. All right. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, mate. Yeah, cheers for having us. Very much so. Welcome along. So, my my first question, as as always, is from a, a random question generator. So, <laughs> Jesus, it's <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. It's quite philosophical, I think. So, my question is: If you were to be put into solitary confinement for six months, what would you do to stay sane? That's, uh, that oh, is wow! Deep. Yeah, man. Yeah, I didn't expect it to get to that extreme so quickly. Jesus, uh, Sam, mate, I'll let you. I, I've, I've got to think about this one. <laughs> solitary confinement, and what would I do to keep myself sane? That is a good one. Got so many options. What do you get? Like anything you like? Like do you get like one item or like? Yeah, it's just a desert island disc vibe. Let's say you get one item. One item, okay. One item. All I can think of about about now is, I guess a book could be like a key one that would be good. Like one book for six months. One, one. Well, it depends how long I'm going to be in solitary confinement for. I guess six months. Oh, you did say six months. Yeah, but those Mister Men books are going to get old very quickly. Oh, yeah, I'd speak to them really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd start the little miss ones. Um, oh yeah. What about a Kindle? A, kin- a Kindle seed. A Kindle would be good. Load that up with. Um... Hold on. If he wants a Kindle, I'm getting a phone to get off the island. <laughs> well, this is solitary confinement. The islands weren't mentioned. That's yeah, true. I go. Um, Kindle would be good. I tell you what, a Kindle, and I definitely load up on it because I know I've got a lot left actually of um, ah, what's it called? Necronomicon. Um, HP Lovecraft, that'd be a good slow burner, just gradually each day do a do um do a story from that and uh yeah, I feel that'd keep me sane, reading about other people going solely insane. That'd probably that'd probably keep me going. So yeah, I think uh, a, a copy of the Necronomicon, um I'd be I'd be I'd be sorted, I think. Six months, I'd just about manage, I reckon. I'm uh, reading uh, Michael Barrymore's uh, biography right now, so I don't think it quite contrasts <laughs> <laughs> in comparison it's a bloody good read though it's definitely keeping me like you know um yeah something to like i don't know yeah I, it's a weird one that I, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that would keep me secluded because i'm a really uh i get bored very easily i don't know if, I, I don't know what you call that there's a attention deficit disorder i guess uh I, honestly i really don't know oh american football 110 percent you taking American football? Yeah, I've just taken American football with me. I think I can days, if not months, of fun with that. Throwing the pigskin around. Yeah, Wilson. Yeah, yeah. You've seen that movie, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. No. <laughs> you never seen it, Phil? No. Uh, no. Tom Hanks, uh, Castaway. I know of it. Yeah, yeah. He uh, gets it, stranded on a desert island and he makes friends of a football. And this is a uh, little mate. I thought it was coconuts. 
No, it's uh, uh, Wilson, the football. It's uh, named after the Wilson, the company that makes the football, and he names him Wilson. Oh, uh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, so I reckon, yeah, do a Tom Hanks and, uh, yeah, properly go with it. Yeah, and he seemed to be all right. <laughs> yeah, he all came out in the wash, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's an uplifting answer. So my, my first, I guess my first real, real question, let's call it that, is how did you both get into music in the first place? Wow, another big question. How did I first get into music? Um, so I guess originally, I guess you start listening to music that your friends put you onto when you're really young and different sort of tapes and things when you're sort of uh, first getting your, like what you're into musically. But um, yeah, my dad was actually a sound engineer when I was growing up. So we actually had a, like um, a sort of small studio in the basement of our house. Um, so yeah, from like a really young age, there was, I think he did a lot of... Um, lot of smaller groups like folk and jazz in Bristol. Um, so that was sort of probably my first full like, introduction to music, you know, hearing the music and seeing musicians and things like that. So that would have been, yeah, initially that. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know whether there's like the sort of typical age when you realise there's like good music. But yeah, around you sort of, I guess, I think it was 12 or 13. Yeah, I remember getting a tape from my uncle, which had one side, I think had Nevermind by Nirvana. And on the other side, it was like he'd just done a, a greatest hits of like all of Radiohead stuff like up until that point. So that was like one of the first things I remember listening to and going, yeah, there's uh, something going on with, uh, with, with this music. Yeah, so I could definitely vibe with that. So, yeah, it was um, quite an, an early age with the, uh, having a, a music studio in the house, which is, which is pretty good. That was a good uh, introduction um, into music. Damn, I'm not even going to pretend to be as cool as those. Jesus, uh, I think I, my mum was a my mum was a single mum, and um, I used to have to go to work with her because obviously she couldn't leave me in the house, like uh, being like five or six years old or whatever. And I remember driving in a Rover Montego. This is uh, one of those automatic ones, those awful, awful cars. And uh, she used to blast. Uh, my mum's a musician herself, so she uh, yeah plays in a bunch of bands and. I remember just her blasting out as like, you know, those rude boys with the uh, souped up cars and, you know, they're driving around, blasting around their music. And, you know, it's always that drum and bass like, or gram or something like that. And my mum would be blasting out Carpenters, Bee Gees, <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News. And, you know, to me, uh, she didn't care. Uh, you know, that was something that really just made me go like, oh, something about the person that you're with, you know, if they're so confident about the music that they listen to, um, it definitely reflected on me as a child. And then punk and rock, um, uh, punk rock, alternative grunge, uh, hardcore, whatever you want to put it, didn't really come into mind until quite a later year. Um, like when I was 14, I'd already started listening to music, you know, that my mum was listening to. So I wasn't exactly the, uh, cool kid in school. And then, um, I knew like uh, Nirvana and Radiohead existed, for example, but yeah, until until I got a, a hold of uh, I think Pixies, Surfer Rosa, I think it was Green Day's Dookie, um, I think it was Def Leppard's Vault, you know, the, uh, Aerosmith's um, Gems, um, you know, it all started evolving from there. I just realised it was a harder music that didn't because uh, whilst Mum's music was great there was something that I, I was angry. I, I didn't quite understand. I wanted something heavier and I didn't really understand until that music came into my life where Jesus, this is what I want to do. Like 110%. So I would, I would easily say, 
around 14, 15, I played my first gig in the library. Sick. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, why not? And, uh, yeah, uh, it's been uh, onwards and downwards ever since. Really. <laughs> so going from that, how did the band get together? What, Who talked to who first and, and what happened? Oh, no, I was going to say, I'll let, I'll let Adam take this. Cause, <laughs> yeah, um, that's, yeah. <laughs> So I'd love to hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, um, well, I've known uh, Sam, the drummer, and uh, Olivia for a long time now, about uh, seven or eight years. And Sam was always in a band. Uh, I knew he was a, a sensational drummer. And he'd always been in these uh, metal, hardcore projects. And I was like, dude, I, I need you. I need you in my band. And he was always busy. And um I started after my last band. I was like, you know, I can't be doing with this anymore. I've been in like about 18 different bands and something's not right. I, I need to have this kind of, it's a bit of an ego thing, admittedly. Like I need to kind of take over and kind of steer the boat, I think, the way it needs to go. And I recorded uh, Last Birth, our first EP, uh, myself, uh, uh, drums, bass, guitar, and everything. And I was like, ah, this is just going to be an online project. It's just going to be purely recorded music. And then something like just got a hold of me. I'm like, I, I just really want to, I really want to play this live. I really feel like it deserves an audience. And I begged and begged and begged Sam, like, please come on board, mate. Like we need you. And eventually he gave in, bless him. <laughs> And uh, yeah, um, um, so I, I also wanted like uh, another singer, a female vocals, because um, uh, been brought up with again like Carpenters, Angus, Julius Stone, no doubt, Distillers. Like uh, the female vocal to me is almost not essential in a band, but I think it is. Yeah, uh, it's a priority for me, definitely, especially when songwriting. I think there's just some some beauty about you know, a female vocal, like uh, in, in any uh, yeah, tenor, baritone, soprano, whatever, that just brings that kind of tonality that I believe makes great music you know, that some that most dudes can't do. And uh, Sam said, "Well, you know, Olivia, you know, the woman that you've known for four or five years, you know, she can sing." I'm like. Oh yes, but yeah, I suppose she can. Let's give it a go. <laughs> and two years later, yeah, we brought uh, Sam in, uh, bass player. This guy. Um, yeah, that's where I came in. Yeah, that's when he asked the question. Yeah, I was like, I, I definitely don't know the uh, the initial uh, the initial beginnings of it, but um, I've only yeah, I can yeah relay the last six weeks with uh, startling accuracy. But um, that was, I guess, yeah, when I came in and um, yeah, six weeks ago. Saw a nice little lad uh, for a band looking for a bassist, and I was super, super keen to start jamming with people again, start playing music, start playing gigs, obviously, with, um, with everything that's been going on. And yeah, it was an ad um, on Facebook, I think, saw, and uh, yeah, message Adam. Um, I think I think I'd met Adam, we'd met about five or six years ago, like once. Yeah, it turns out, yeah, it turns out we had met before. Bristol's one of those places where you just seem to run into each other at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i think yeah when i saw the ad and looked at the band um i, I recognized that gentleman um and yeah got chatting and uh had a jam and it really gelled um and yeah it's been i mean from six weeks ago to now it's been an amazing like transformation and the way it's all come together has been it's been perfect it's been really good it's been just like the kind of ideal reintegration into into live music and jamming and things like that it's been it's been a dream yeah it's been really good i didn't realize you were so fresh to the band 
So fresh, yeah. Still, still a bit, yeah. Wet behind the ears, yeah. Yeah, we had someone like a uh, like a couple of original members that had to leave um, pre-lockdown, and uh, again, like we weren't planning on gigging like uh, in 2021 because I mean every band obviously has been gig deprived for the last year and a half, and we thought like, uh, what's the point in uh, trying to compete with these bands? Just let them do it, and then we'll come back strong in 2022, you know. But you know, the hunger definitely got the best of us, and I was like, I need to find a bass player, need to find a lead guitarist. And then Sam, yeah, answered my ads and, oh my God, never look back. Boy's good. <laughs> Too kind. So what was your first gig as a band like? As a barnstormer, I thought. It was, yeah, it was, what, what, what were we in at the moment? Tuesday, didn't it? So, yeah, it was um, four days ago, yeah. I didn't realise that was number one with Land Captains, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, who, yeah, I think, yeah, you've um, had him on. I had him on the show, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, Saturday that was our um, our first gig as um, in with the current lineup. Certainly, my first gig since lockdown. So it was uh, extra nerves for that. But um, yeah, it was brilliant playing a little uh, a little venue in Bristol called Louisiana, um, and yeah, went down a storm. Crowd seemed to like it, didn't they? They liked you, mate. They they loved you. So so I think partway through the show, there was a lot of people shouting Sam. And obviously, I was waving every time they said that and laughing it up, obviously, because I'd been on stage for so long. Um, and then, yeah, I think towards partway through or towards the end, I totally clocked that, oh, there's two Sams in the band. So I don't know which one they were they were cheering for, probably a bit of both. But um, I presume we were both we were both like waving like idiots throughout. Yeah, that was it was it's nice. A real nice little venue. Um and uh, yeah, it was again great reintroduction into uh, to doing live music again. Was it was it an all originals um, set that you did or all originals set? I mean, we wanted to uh, put in uh, a cover of uh, some description. I mean, we were talking about uh, um, Jet by Wings. Uh, we wanted to shut that in, but uh, I mean, again, like uh, Sam only came into uh, and uh, Lauren Patterson, our uh, guitarist, only came into the equation about six weeks ago. We've had five practices between then, like literally introducing Sam and Lauren to the band. Um, yeah, from when that happened, five practices later to play in front of uh, 120, 140 people. And it's just like, it's a small venue, but it was, you know, for a small venue, it was rammed. And I, I you know what? I was so happy we did it. I really didn't care, like, that we'd only had about five practices. That was all, almost added to the charm of it. You know, we're all still learning. We're all, yeah, we're all gonna, we're all still learning. We're all just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And to be honest, for a show done within five practices, if you've got the right people to do it, it will be a good show. And it, and it was, honestly, uh, I was so happy with it. Yeah, I think we were, we were really keen. And obviously, yeah, the audience, everyone there was really keen as well. Um, obviously, you know, from a, um, a musician band point of view, we've been keen to play. But yeah, you've got to remember, obviously, punters and everyone um, going to the shows as well has been sort of deprived of that experience. So um, yeah, I think us not only playing for the first time live since lockdown, but also in this current band, that was added a lot to it. And also the fact that Everyone else was, you know, firstly for some live music. So it just was all those different attributes, whatever. All of them sort of came together perfectly. In And yeah, it was brilliant. It was really good, real lively, um, crowd loving it. And yeah, some yeah, really good feedback after um, everyone as well. And again, like Adam said, after 
yeah five practices it's um it's you know it was it was brilliant and there's only obviously going forward improving getting tighter and everything and really really finessing that as well um so nice to be yeah working on a project like that was was there added nerves given that you know the material be untested before a crowd until that point uh, I had a, um, I, I came down with a cold like uh, about four or five days prior and uh, I'd done all the swabs and that, you know, um, and I admittedly like I knew Sam and Lauren were, were sound, like we'd had enough practices, like, you know, especially like the last practice, I think I was just like, this is it. This is the band. This is the sound. This is, the, this is everything I want this show to be. And then bugger lugs here gets a sodding cold and I was just like ah well I was more nervous from my voice you know I didn't really I knew Sam was going to do his thing I knew Lauren was going to do her thing um I knew obviously Liv and Sam uh drummer and uh singer were, were going to do their thing yeah that more, more nervous about my overall performance if anything yeah I could leave these guys to you know <laughs> I could walk off the stage and I guarantee it would have still been a good show Last practice, you should have heard him, honestly. Just uh, and you just look at it because I decided to step off. To, but where we practice has got a big old, big old stage. Um, it's ba- you could basically do a, a gig in that practice room. And I, I, I stood off the stage and I just watched my band. I watched Sam, Lauren, uh, live, uh, and I was just like, "This is the band. Like this is what I want. Like this is incredible. Like, and I do think." You know, even though like you might you might bugger up a few notes, you might you know play a few wrong things, but I think the soul and the feel and the confidence on stage um, is more entertainment to me anyway. Uh, if you're having a good time, the crowd's having a good time, sort of thing. And if you can kind of observe that you're not necessarily playing your best, or like you know make a few duff notes, you know, to, uh, you know if you're having a good time, the crowd will go along with it, and I, I believe that makes a good show. And uh, honestly, I, I bug it up most. <laughs> if anything, these guys have only just come in, like you know, six weeks ago, and uh, I've played. I've been playing these songs the last two years, and if anything, I bug it up the most. But I, I really don't care uh, uh, about that. You know, obviously, I'll go back and practice and get a lot tighter, but. No, I, I couldn't have been more happy, you know. Uh, so nerves were the last thing on my mind. Just wanted to go uh, excited. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean about about the nerves. Like, I think um, I was initially quite surprised at how, in, sort of, on the run up to the show, I really wasn't feeling many nerves, and I thought that was a bit odd, seeing as it was a, a new band, new songs for me, um, for me anyway, um, and the first show in a while, and. I think generally, yeah, it sort of on on the night, you know, after sound check and everything, I was um, I was a little bit a little bit nervous, but you know, time and time again, you know, for shows I usually get a little bit nervous initially, but you know, once you once you start kick the show off and and you know you're you're really grooving and really having a good time, I think a lot of them sort of dissipate and disappear, um, and you know, t- talking about the sort of performance and everything, certainly for myself playing these songs live for the first time in front of an audience really um i've i could i don't know what how really hard to describe it but i definitely felt like i was playing songs that were sort of new to me which i'm sure helped with the performance as well yeah it was uh it was it was a typical thing as well you know blinking it's this it's sort of finished it was for the set we played which was i think 45 minutes to an hour or something it was uh it finished and i was sort of like oh that's 
as we done, we're done. We've played, played all the songs, played the whole set. What a load of fun, but it just goes so quick because, yeah, when you're looking forward to something that much and you're just in the moment, it, it really just, it, it goes by so quick. So, yeah, it was, uh, but yeah, st- st- still got the nerves a bit, but, you know, like you say, after a few songs, you're sort of thinking, God, whatever was I worried about, these guys have got it, I've got it, we've, you know, got the audience in the palm of our hands there, it's going down a storm. Given that it was your sort of first gig together as a band, were there any takeaways from it? Kind of at the end of it, you went, well, next time we need to make sure we do this or change this or anything like that. Well, I've done a huge list. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a few bits, wasn't there? Um, I think I think it helped that, because um, we, we've got sort of bits and pieces of uh, where people had sort of recorded it and things like that, so you can watch it back. Um, I've certainly done that with other gigs I've played. Yeah, I think a few little bits, um, you know, on the whole, brilliant experience, great gig. But I think, yeah, we've probably got a, a list a list of things to look at, haven't we? Hi, yeah. That, but, I mean, it, it's very artificial things. Um, obviously, like, for me, it's always been like, um, I've always needed a drink before going on stage. I definitely need that kind of balance between, you know, you, you don't want to be a wreckhead, but you don't want to be, like, too sober where it's stale. Uh, you know, there's definitely a balance. Uh, that uh, I, I'm still, after 15 years, trying to find that balance, and it's it's awful. Um. Yeah, there, there definitely is a fine line somewhere, and every now and then you hit it. You're like, "Yes, this is perfect." It's like I'm loose enough, but uh, you know, I'm not too stale. It's perfect. Honestly, like it's it's how every other band you know plays and they look after. It. Oh yeah, we could do this differently and this differently. Like you know, there's things like you know you can get like certain gear. Uh, my pedal board went out like uh, five songs in. And I just plugged directly into the amp uh, after that. I didn't have a clean channel for like five songs. But I mean, these are just things that it, it's just luck of the draw, really. Um, as, uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those like, as long as you maintain that energy on stage, um, I think that's the main thing for me. Um, as long as, again, you're enjoying it and uh, the crowd knows you're enjoying it, you know, a few duff notes isn't going to ruin your night. It shouldn't ruin your night anyway. Uh, if the performance is lackluster, it's because you're not having a good time for me anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> I think as well. I think as well as it, it being the sort of beginning of the sort of, of the beginning of the journey of the band with this lineup. There's going to be so much to to tweak and fine tune and everything. So we're very much at that um, that uh, exciting part of the relationship where yeah, there's you know we've got so much to look at and everything we've We're the honeymoon period the honeymoon period yeah um so we've got you know so much to look at and all different things we can tweak and all that sort of thing and you know we've obviously got looking forward the looking forward as well the opportunity to do more writing and things like that as well obviously we know we can um we can jam amazingly together we can we can perform excellently on a stage together um so yeah i mean obviously adam um drummer sam and liv have been I'm playing together for a while, but for me and for myself and Lauren, I think it's, um, uh, you know, extra exciting being at that, that early stage, really. Um, but it's really good to know that we've got such a solid base as a, as a group already um, to build upon, really. So speaking of writing, what's your general approach to writing songs as a band? How does that go? Is there someone who's sort of the, the principal songwriter or is it more of a jam scenario? Unfortunately, that's, uh, yeah, my uh, yeah, my input there. I'll usually bring um, a couple of songs uh, or a couple of riffs um, in. Uh, I'll 
start writing lyrics pretty much immediately, um, start writing a vocal melody, things like that. That's basically been a whole back catalogue so far. I will... Uh, in lockdown, it was particularly interesting because I would do something on Logic, like just really quickly, just to quit that, that literally the mic I'm using now and, uh, you know, DR my guitar uh, through a, a virtual cab and just like say, right, there you go. There's a song. Do what you like with this. And uh, it's it's been interesting to hear. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's interesting to hear that back because yeah, I, I come up with the initial ideas and, I don't like to think like I, I'm the songwriter or whatever. You know, everyone, everyone in Bonzi Company has their say and has their own voice, and like it's incredible to hear because I'll write a song and I'll have such an idea about like where the song is going, and then honestly, like Sam can just put a completely different beat. I'm like, whoa, whoa, this I like that sort of thing. It's it's so strange. I'll, but I'll initially come in with the idea, and um, we'll just adapt to it. Um, really, and then just uh, as you said, jam it out, and uh, yeah, see where it goes from there. So, I mean, you're uh, yet to uh, go through this process, this grueling process yeah. of songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with for, for myself, like obviously, yeah, with um, with Fonzie and Company, yeah, we've not written anything together with the current lineup, but I mean, some points that Adam made there, I can definitely, yeah, definitely, and um, reiterate. I mean, the idea of bringing things to a rehearsal or a jam um, and getting a different take on them. Typically, in you know, when I've been involved with projects before, it's been a case of, yeah, writing things individually. Um, sometimes even, you know, putting it all on a shared drive, whatever, and people getting a chance to listen to things, write bits and pieces themselves. But yeah, I've always found it sort of, it really comes together when you're all in a room together, jamming it out, just throwing ideas around. That's, yeah, usually where you find, like Adam was saying, things you wouldn't even have thought of um or it just it just all comes together so i'm yeah intrigued to see what the writing process is like because yeah like i say i've been writing stuff on my own for the whole of of lockdown really the last how long it's been year and a half um so it's going to be nice to yeah put ideas to other people um and yeah tackle other bits and pieces other people have written and see what we come up with really i think it's a really healthy way to do it in that you know someone can bring their ideas to the rehearsal room and then everyone gets a chance to sort of take it apart and add their own little kind of flavor to it because it's, it's doing things like that that allows you to find the the actual voice of the band rather than the voice of one band member i think it's a really good way to approach that kind of thing do you find that when uh, people come into your studio phil that uh, you have like one guy that's like clearly like the predominant guy and the, the rest of the guys are just kind of like going along with it or like, is it a mixture of both or? Well, I mean, I don't really have people here because I do, I predominantly do mixing, you see, rather than recording. Um, I do a bit of recording, but I'm more of a mixing engineer. And when I'm uh, talking to bands, there is, there is a mix. There are some bands where it's like, this is who you talk to. You talk to this <laughs> band member and the band, that band member approves what you are doing. And then there's other bands where, everyone gets their input and has a say and i'm 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 not saying that anyone's doing it right or wrong but personally i like it when everyone gets a a say especially into what i'm doing but there we are <laughs> yeah i'm definitely um definitely all for even if it is um you know like a track that's been predominantly like oh, a lot of it's been written like adam was saying if someone gives you something and says you know here's the the basic structure and most of it's been done you can 
like you said, sort of take it and have fun. That's uh, that's a nice thing as well. And I think that um, you know that almost gives it that element of um, of trust. I think as well, being able to bring things to uh, bring things to the table that you can sort of show to people and have the you know the the confidence and the trust to to just put it out there really and see what people think. I know I didn't really start putting stuff out that I'd written to um, to groups not you know until you know only a few years ago um, I'd always been in you know projects where I'd predominantly been taking other people's ideas and putting a bit of my own twist on them but um, when you get to that stage uh, where yeah you can just put stuff out there it, um, it really adds to the group dynamic um, and yeah like you say you get the sound of the band rather than one person which is which is great. So moving over a little bit how do you approach recording? I mean, Sam, you as six weeks in, you probably haven't yet. But in general, how does the band approach recording? Do you record yourselves or go into the studio, or what's your approach to that? Uh, we are DIY AF, like um, have been uh, for the last two EPs and uh, the latest single. Uh, it's uh, done by a good mate of ours called uh, Mark Hanlon. Um, so he used to be uh, in a band called Fragile Things, uh, who are majorly popular. Uh, was a singer's uh, singer of uh, Heaven's Basement. So, I mean, the guy's been around. So he knows what he's talking about. And uh, it was literally in his bedroom because <laughs> we were we were going to uh, go to uh, Rockfields um, in uh, Wales um, 2019, I think, uh, to record the second EP that we did. And obviously lockdown was starting to be a thing, like people were getting a bit scared. And I think we were due in like April 2020. So it wouldn't have worked out anyway. But we, I mean, we, we were so happy with the first records. Um, I mean, it was mostly me, a little bit, live uh, sam had his input as well but genuinely um once we write the tracks we get into mark's <laughs> mark's bedroom we get to sit on his bed it's a great experience have a couple of lucas aids <laughs> so, yeah very uh yeah different um but to be honest the production value that he's given for us and it's given us attention because it, it's an indie it's almost, it's almost an indie rock uh, pop punk uh, kind of vibe, but yet yeah, he's he comes from a classic rock, hard rock background. So to give a production uh, experience, to give that kind of mixing and that kind of you know interpretation on a pop punk indie soft rock almost like kind of band, like it's interesting. The contrast and the mixing is it's almost kind of given us our name uh, in a way. And uh, unfortunately, we won't be recording with him like uh, in the near future. We will be going. We will be finally doing the bucket list and uh, going to Rockfields next year, uh, which I can't. I literally can't wait for. But uh, recording process, you know, usual. Phil, you you've probably been in a yeah a couple of sessions. You know, you do your drums first. You, yeah, you put down your guide track. You do your drums first. You probably put down two guitars. You, or the bass, whatever, and then uh, the vocals in all done in the same room, and it's all done through a lot of uh, virtual cabs, um, sometimes a sound booth, and uh, we're we're all just sitting there in in support. You know, there's five of us sitting next to me doing vocals, for example, and I'm just traumatized by watching five people watch me doing vocals. Man, it is. It, you know, you could sing in front of two, uh, sing in front of two thousand people would be the easiest thing ever. Sitting in an isolated room in someone's bedroom, and there's five dudes watching you from the sidelines. 
is the most traumatizing thing I, I think ever. Uh, honestly, and but you know they're, they're there to give feedback, and you know the, the recording process for us is everyone has a, you know maybe you should do this, maybe you should go to this third, or maybe you should come down an octave there. You know, it, we're, we're still developing. Even when the song we think the song's written, we still almost write on the spot. Even when we're recording, like actually, you know, I know you do this. However, try doing this, and it's the same for all bands. Really, you're learning on the spot. You know, you're you're changing your song as you go along, and that's that's a Fonzie and Company way in a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, though. A lot of bands can be worried about the sort of DIY approach of going. We're not in Abbey Road Studios. It's going to sound awful, but it's just not true. You you can do so much nowadays at home that it shouldn't be underestimated no absolutely yeah i agree it's um yeah you're absolutely right moving over again how is the band managed is there a single point person or do you share out tasks between you how does that work uh there's definitely going to be a point where i will have to sam sorry i'm going to have to designate you some uh, little jobbies <laughs> <laughs> but at the moment uh it's uh mainly myself um we have uh we have been taken on by uh bespoke media uh so it's a guy called martin he is sensational um we've been working with him on pr for years now well years we've only been going two years so there you go um but yeah this guy uh, I've always needed that communication because uh, a lot of the guys in the band do work for, we all work full-time jobs. So it's not easy. It's uh, To me, being in a successful band is constant communication. It, it's a job on a job. If you want to be successful, you can't just, you know, half-ass it. You really have to be in it to win it. And you need to be thinking about the next thing. You need to be about, right, what's this next photo shoot? Right, when's our next, um, you know, Facebook post? When's that, you know, you need, this is a constant schedule that you need to keep to unfortunately like you can't keep expect all guys in full-time jobs to be involved with that it's it's just not realistic uh we, we we'll try but um martin from bespoke media um even though he's purely pr he's one of the best in the uk easily like i'm, I'm not big enough uh, not bigging him up too much but he is he is absolutely awesome and he said uh, oh mate i'm actually uh, thinking about uh, going into management it's like, oh, uh, that's cool. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It's like, well, uh, do you want to be my guinea pig uh, sort of thing? I'm like, hell yeah, dude, we'll be your guinea pig. And honestly, like between myself, uh, two Sams, Liv, Lauren, um, and Martin, we've got a lot of ground covered here. Like I, I just need to, I, I, I'm the guy that books the gigs. I, I do try and get graphics where I can. I try and do videos where I can. But this guy... I, I do think if a band is in a full-time job, uh, they're all in full-time work or whatever, you do need that one extra person pushing all the time. And he is that guy, you know, it's really good for me to, you know, you know, bounce off ideas off of uh, everyone in the band. But you, uh, for me, you always need that guy that is into it 100%. And I feel like if a band's like over 50%, like they're not into it, your band's never going to go. Yeah, it's never going to be successful. You know, you can have one guy being as passionate as you like, but if the rest of the band are just kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of dipping their dipping their feet in and out, it's never going to work. 
And uh, for me, anyway, uh, with Fonzie and Company, um, Martin has been that guy that's come forward and sort of stepped up to the plate and go like, right, what are you guys doing? You need this photo shoot. I need this new merch right now. And it's, it's given us deadlines. It's given us good, you know, easy goals. And uh, for me, uh, along with obviously talking to the guys in the band, has been a godsend. It really has. Yeah, I think com- communication is definitely key, isn't it? Um, like you say, it's a, it can be a job on top of a job, so... Um, it's good to have, yeah, that extra bit, extra bit of push. But yeah, communication is key as well. I think for sure. You, you're right in saying as well in saying that having those deadlines can be really important. Having someone going, you need to have this done by this date, and it's incredibly clear what needs to be done when, can be very helpful. It seems like an unnecessary evil, but yeah, it's just like, oh, we're not making any money out of this. Like, there's no need to. Like, nobody. What, what you got? Like, seventy-seven followers on Spotify. Like, who cares? And it's like, yeah, but it's true. It's true, though. You need that work ethic in order to build on that. Like, it's true. And uh, I know the band are like 110 percent into it, and I know they they will do anything they can to help me out for sure. But just on, honestly, having that extra person that's just into it, like, it, it really goes a long way. And this is a completely unrelated question, but it came to mind because you mentioned music videos very briefly. Um, One of my favourite videos in general, I'm going to say, is the, I can't remember which song it's from, but the one that's like an 8-bit video game um, with different levels. I love that video. Who did it? Like, how did that one come about? Uh, Yeah, it's from a guy that used to work for us. Um, uh, We don't... um... Yeah, we don't work with him anymore, but uh, no, he was good uh, what he did. Uh, the idea that we wanted, uh, we saw like we wanted a video game concept and we we'd only, we've very rarely seen this and we were quite curious as to why, because it's such an easy, in terms of programming, in terms of like, uh, it's actually quite an easy thing to do. And if, uh, there's not many big bands that have actually got themselves like music videos out of video games. I think that when we did our research, patent pending uh, came up when they did, but even then that was a lyric video with Mario footage in the background. And yeah, I just thought like I really want to, to to for us to be in a video game. Can you make this happen? He's like, yeah, I can make that happen. And uh, yeah, that's what came about. And to be honest, it was going to be a full-on video game. That was kind of our next marketing thing. We were going to um, charge people. I think it was one twenty-nine uh, on Steam to have full access to the Fonzie and Company video game. It never came about, unfortunately. But. Yeah, just I've really enjoyed the concept of having it. We all made ourselves little avatars. We all had to, you know, do little side photos and that. You know, so it's a hell of a process, especially for an indie band doing it DIY. This was done by a guy in his Mac. It wasn't done in a big studio or anything like that. You know, uh, so again, I think that effort kind of translates. And obviously, you pointed out the video, Phil. So um, hopefully, <laughs> we did our job. <laughs> yeah, it was. I really liked it anyway. So my penultimate question for you is what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or so? Lots, loads. Um, I mean, well, we've got, we've got plenty of gigs booked in. Um, I mean, I think we're all keen to carry on doing the live shows, um, keep on pushing that, really finessing a, a really top live show. And then um, what else? I mean, all the usual stuff, I think. There's loads of... Um, bits and pieces to do again being at the early stage of this lineup you know things like photo shoots is sort of bread and butter really i think but yeah certainly for myself live shows um, i'm pretty keen to play places play in places other than bristol which i know we've got lined up 
um, because I've only ever really played gigs in Bristol with other groups. So um, I'm pretty, you know, keen to push that and, and do that. Yeah, for sure, man. I kind of think I'm chasing the dragon, like almost like uh, I had a, I had a stage at this point where I was 18, 19, where I could live off of being in a band. And honestly, it was the best nine months I have ever experienced. And I had to go and sod it up just by being young. And it is kind of that like, like that with Fonzie and company, but I would not put my faith in four other guys that I'm more than capable of uh, doing it. And honestly, like the music is reflecting um, the festivals that we got lined up. There's a couple that I can't announce uh, at the moment because uh, Martin, our manager has been very specific not to mention them, but um, yeah, it's uh, Jesus. There's a lot coming up. Yeah. We, we want to start writing again with uh, Sam and Lauren um, as newbies, you know, getting their input on it. We want to go to Rockfield, as we said, uh, this, uh, again, Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded there. How would you not want to record there? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Festivals, tours. Uh, we did have an America um, tour that we were working on. We had a tour in New Zealand we were working on. We just want to pick up where 2019 kind of let us down sort of thing. Because whilst we're a young band, so we're ambitious and uh, we know what we want and we know how to get it. It's just a matter of picking up where we left off from, you know, we're basically almost starting again, almost at this point. But it's just picking up from there. Nice new live recordings, nice new photos, nice new videos. Just everything a band does just uh, times 10, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I mean, coming when you were saying about picking things up again um, from where you sort of left off, for myself, sort of coming into it, it definitely, um, I think it definitely felt like I was um, coming into, you know, st- stepping into a moving vehicle, as it were. I was, uh, yeah, um, impressed at how... Uh, how that I think we had a few gigs um, already lined up. I think the gig we played at, on Saturday was already already in the works um, when I first met up with Adam. So it was really great to feel, um, you know, while everyone wants to get get back into playing live and putting out releases and things, it was really good to get back into, um, yeah, like I say, uh, not a great metaphor, but a move, basically a moving vehicle, knowing that it's, you know, it's going somewhere. Um, and there's a lot of... Um, I was going to say a lot of gas in the tank. That's just pushing the metaphor yes, too mate. far. I mean, it's, yes, good to, it's good. It was good to see. Yeah, yeah. That's let's go full hog then, shall we? Yeah, plenty of gas in the tank. Uh, pedal, uh, pedal to the metal. You know, the, the big horizon on on the horizon or whatever. But um, it was there. Yeah, there you go. Um, so pushing the uh, the road the road trip metaphor to its its full uh, full potential there. But yeah, it was good to 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 do that. Coming to something that's already going full throttle and really just be able to add to that. Um, so yeah, I appreciate. I guess for um, yourself, uh, for Adam, Sam, and Liv, it it might feel sort of like picking picking things up again. But uh, certainly for myself, um, and I, I presume for Lauren as well, it definitely feels like we're stepping into an existing project that has already got a, a hell of a lot of momentum behind it, um, which is really really encouraging. So to close out the podcast, I'd like to ask you for your favourite song from the band, which I can play at the end of the podcast. So. Which song is it and why? That's toughy. Um, yeah, I'm going to go straight from what has been funnest to play. And it's got to be, oh, is it going to be a toss-up? I'm thinking Queen of Nothing comes to mind because that is just, yeah, a full balls out of the bathtub, like, riot to play and to listen to. Um, and obviously the video, like we mentioned earlier, is um, is cracking as well. So I think... Yeah, it would be Queen of Nothing because that was. Um, in fact, I think 
When we initially had the set list, I don't think, for some reason, I didn't have Queen of Nothing written down. I must have like misheard it. And I think we got the, we decided the set list and came back the next rehearsal. And yeah, I think one of you was like, right, we'll run Queen of Nothing. And I was sort of like, we're playing that. We are playing that one. Um, yeah. So I was, yeah, I was, I think that's been um, a firm favorite of mine since I got, um, yeah, since I got the, uh, the, the huge list of songs that Adam initially sent me, uh, which was, <laughs> it was a lot more than I thought. Um, but I think I managed to, uh, to get the hang of them um, within the first week or two. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'd say Queen Enough and that'd be my choice. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go along with that. <laughs> so this is Fonzie and Company with Queen of Nothing. Guys, it's been really great to talk to you. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a joy. 